You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, it was the defense that came to play tonight here at Highmark Stadium as well. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. It's always game day in Buffalo. Thanks for downloading, subscribing wherever you are, iTunes, Spotify, however you listen, Odyssey app. Uh, we appreciate that. We appreciate you subscribing, throwing us a nice rating, and giving us a nice review. So please do that as we come at you at, uh, what time is it now? 12.21 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Um, the Bills wrap up here on Monday night football. Beautiful night here at the stadium in Orchard Park. The defense, Matt, the first drive of the game for the Titans. Let me find the actual drive stats here. First drive of the game for the Titans, 12 plays, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Okay. The rest of the game, for the game, in its entirety, the Titans had a total of 187 yards. So that means they had 112 yards after the first drive. Kudos to us. A couple of people in journalism, we did that mental math yeah. very well, very, very quickly. Yes. So I think it was a slow start out of the gate. Also, there was a total obvious false start on that Derrick Henry touchdown that wasn't called. Whatever. That happens in the NFL all the time. It was weird because at the beginning, it looked like the Bills weren't getting pressure, and it looked like Tannehill was just picking them apart. And then really after that, and even into the next drive, the Titans looked pretty good. They had a penalty that I think backed them up too far, and that kind of killed their momentum, and then they ultimately had to punt. But after that, then the pressure started. Derrick Henry got nothing going. I mean, Derrick Henry had 13 carries for 25 yards. He averaged less than two yards a carry in this game. And I think it was also a result of, like, the Bills got so far ahead that they had to kind of abandon the run. They had to try and stretch the field, and that's when the Bills were able to force turnover. So, really, there were a lot of layers to it. They were able to pressure Tannehill and make him make some bad decisions. Now, they didn't get a ton of sacks like they did against the Rams, but they had a few timely ones, which is, of course, good. They created the turnovers, and after those first two drives, they didn't let the Titans get into any rhythm. And I think that's where this game changed. I don't even, I don't know the snap count yet. We'll wait till tomorrow. I mean, they did all this without having to really let Von Miller even have to play that much. We can just back off on him, right? I mean, that's the dream, which is they love to rotate guys, but we know they signed Von to all this money. But towards the end of the game, I'm like, yeah, I mean, Von Miller played well. I mean, he made a couple, he had a really nice tackle for loss. He got close to Tannehill, didn't sack him, but you didn't even need him kind of as the game went on, which is amazing. They were still 
playing with their front four, doing what they normally do. But I think the linebackers especially came to play. Matt Milano, a pick six. He played a fantastic football game. He had the the play he I think he got injured on. The, he had the stinger. Was just a great tackle he made, I think, on Haskins in the open field. Haskins a big guy, just like Derrick Henry. And then, of course, Tremaine Edmonds. Um, a lot of focus on him last year when these two teams played. He did not play a good game. Uh, tonight, right away, gets that sack, and, and I thought he played a good game as well. He did, and I do. I, f- I feel bad for Tremaine Edmonds because of what happened to Dane Jackson. Like that's obviously a very unfortunate situation. That you know he was ultimately the one that kind of made the contact with him because that's going to take away from a really great game from him. Both of the linebackers were outstanding in this game. They were a big reason why the Titans couldn't get anything going with their running game. They were hitting their gaps. They were aggressive. They were hit. They they were just making the plays that really good linebackers make. And sometimes it feels like when they miss them. Like Tremaine Edmonds, especially sometimes it feels like maybe he overcommits or he waits a split second too long before he's ultimately shooting out of the cannon to go make that play. And today he was there doing it. And also, by the way, they did this. They held the Titans to seven points without Ed Oliver, Tim Settle, and still without Tredavious White and Dane Jackson, basically for an entire half of the game. So they held them to seven points with rookie corners and I would say a, a very, you know, a rotation of defensive tackles that aren't your best defensive tackle or maybe even your second best defensive tackle. So it was it was really impressive, really, from top to bottom. The defense overall played a great game. Um, they had individually a couple of big-time plays, including Matt Milano, the other one, Jordan Poyer, his second interception of the year, and he should have had another one. He kind of had it goes off his hands a little high in the end zone. But how about Jordan Poyer, a guy that, He'd love to have a contract. The Bills haven't given him one. That hasn't worked out yet, but he just goes out there and he just keeps making plays. First team All-Pro last year, and again, comes up with a big interception. Maybe the Bills aren't giving him a contract because they know how good he plays when he's pissed off, and they see what they've done these first two games, and they're like, let's just keep on doing this because he's playing out of his mind right now, and then we'll give him a contract. We've always said, like, are you going to give a contract? Are you going to give that much money to a safety who's on the wrong side of 30? But my goodness, can he still play? He still's got it. So, And he means so much to this team. He's a leader on the defense. He's Him and Micah just kind of are as they go, the defense goes. So he's been out. And Michael was really, really good too, until he left this game hurt. So I know Poyer probably wants that first one that he didn't intercept back because they ultimately scored a touchdown a couple plays later, but he made up for it with that crazy interception. He had looks like we're going to, you know, see Christian Benford and Kyrie Elam a lot going forward. If assuming that Dane Jackson won't be able to play at least in the, in the immediate um, aftermath of that unfortunate injury, obviously. So that'll be interesting, but so far so good. Again, the two rookie corners, I thought again, tonight acclimated themselves. Well, um, not that they were threatened too much by this type particular receiving core, but I think the returns have been good, but man, the test is next week with these guys. They've looked really good, Matt, but now it gets very, very real for them. Yeah, it does. I was watching a lot of the dolphins game yesterday against the Ravens in Waddles, unbelievable like he is so good and this is not to take anything away from Tua he played a really good game but when you've got weapons like Waddle and like Tyreek Hill you've got the fastest wide receiver combination in the league like they're going to get behind some defenses now the thing that's so interesting about the Bills is that's what they've been so good at defensively is not letting teams hit them over the top for these big plays but maybe the most important guy for that 
is Micah Hyde. And now we don't know what his status is going into this game. We know that obviously they don't have Tredavious White for two more weeks. This will be a massive test for Benford and for Elam. But I think in this game, they both looked like they just made smart plays. They had open field tackles a couple times. They didn't let things get behind them. They are going to get beat at times. This is just the reality of being a rookie in the NFL. It will not always go perfect. It's just making sure that they can be consistent and making sure that they're making more plays than they're giving up. They really could use, obviously, Ed Oliver and Tim Settle coming back. This isn't a team that's going to run the ball a ton against them, the Miami Dolphins. They have really struggled to run the ball, but those are two big losses. And, of course, we'll have to keep updated on what uh, the status of Jordan Phillips is. But to wrap up on the defense, I said, I think we said it on the podcast here during training camp, Matt, I thought this was the best defense I'd seen from the Bills in training camp in my time covering them. Like, I thought their defense in training camp looked just incredible from top to bottom, outstanding. And here we are again, two games in, they allow 10 points to the Super Bowl champs, followed by seven points to the number one seed in the AFC in the AFC last year. A total of 17 points allowed through two games. I got a question for you. Given how great the defense has been, should they make a call to Joe Hayden? You think now's the time? Um, I don't. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but he's not going to play right away, right? You got to get him onboarded. You got to get him to learn the system. So I don't think that's necessary right now. If they, if they really do lose Micah Hyde for a while, then you're looking at a safety more than a corner. As far as Dane, I think that it, that depends on when you think Tredavious is going to come back. So maybe, I guess, I wouldn't close the door. Joe Hayden or somebody else who's out there you think that can come in. They don't have a ton of money in the salary cap, but I wouldn't close the door on them having to do something like that. No, I just think it's an interesting thing because they've really leaned on veteran corners in years past. Like, obviously, Levi Wallace, Josh Norman. Um, who was the dude from Houston? Kevin Johnson? Yes, when he came in. Yep. Yes. Another one of those veteran corners. So, like... It's something that they've used in the past. I wouldn't put it past them to kind of search and see what's out there right now. But And that's not to take away from Benford and from Elam. It's just more like you need bodies because right now, you know, you had Dane Jackson go to the hospital today in an ambulance. Tredavious White is still unavailable for at least two more weeks. You're probably going to need to get him acclimated and caught up once he is able to practice again. So it's just kind of having those different options in case of emergency because if Elam or Benford were to get hurt, Who's next up? Is it Saran? Is that probably where they're going? Um, Cam Lewis also, right? I mean, yeah, they'd have to dip into guys that, I mean, Cam Lewis was inactive again today, right? Was he, or did he play? No, he was active, right? He didn't play though. I have to go back and look to make sure, but either way, that would be something they do. They have Jamarcus Ingram, but yeah, you're right. In fact, that's a good segue. We can answer some questions. You tweeted out tonight that we were doing the uh, podcast, and some people came right away. We had 34 replies right away about uh, that I'm looking like within 10, 15 minutes. People are juiced up. People are juiced up because they can't sleep after the game. (laughs) Neither can we. So we're going to do this, and it's a good segue because Jeff M says, do the Bills reach out to any free agents with all the injuries? So there you go. There you go. Right? Yeah. So that's why I wanted to say. That was really good. Um, Here's one. I like this. It says, um, the big, dumb QV haver. All right. Like that. Uh, we know the wide receivers versus the secondary will get a lot of focus next week, but how does the bills D line match up with the dolphins O line? And my response would be, I think the bills D line matches up better against anybody as long as they're healthy. The dolphins O line has, is better this year, but I don't think they're world beaters. And I think the bills defensive line should be able to have the advantage in that game. But again, here's the caveat. If they're healthy, especially. Yeah. I mean, Armstead's great. Like they went out and they tried to solidify one side of their line. And, you know, up to this point, it seems like that has worked because Tua has been outstanding and the offense has put up a bunch of points. If the bills are 
more healthy than they were today. So, like, if they have a full complement of Ed Oliver, Tim Settle, Von Miller, the rest of the defensive ends, I think the Bills could have a really strong day with their defensive line because last year they did, and that was one of the biggest reasons why the Bills were able to shut them out 35 nothing in that second game of the year despite a kind of slow day for the offense. I know that the Dolphins are much improved since that game has happened, but the Bills' defensive line has been very impressive up to this point. I think that's been one of the biggest reasons why they've only given up 17 points in two games. Here's one that two different people have tweeted us. Stefan, uh, MV, and M. Van, Har- M. Van Harris, at M. Van Harrison, Stefan is the screen name. And I want to get who else did this because someone else tweeted in the same thing. Um, basically asking if about Zach Moss and why the team continues to go to Zach Moss and if maybe the Zach Moss experiment should end. I don't think so. I think they like Zach Moss. They they think he's just part of the a piece of the puzzle, I guess, that makes this running game whole. Now, I agree that he's not like walking into the Hall of Fame tomorrow, but it seems like this running back group is more about the sum than the parts, and they feel that you know he's a big part of the parts. Yeah, and it also goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like They didn't run the ball effective right. at all today, and they still put up 41 points against the Titans. So I think that it does matter, especially in those short yardage situations. I also kind of agree, though, with the questions. Like, Devin Singletary is, I think, their most effective running back in almost like every aspect until we see more from James Cook. Like we saw a lot of that in garbage time today, but until we see more from him and until we see more consistency from Zach Moss, I think Singletary should be the guy that they lean on when they do want to get involved with their running backs. You have any over there? You have any questions you want to get to that you're uh, pulling up? Yeah. I mean, Jason Fair, Channel 7 employee, by the way, asks how will potential lack of depth at corner hold up against Waddle and Hill next week? I mean, I think it's a really a very real concern. I agree. I think though, what you'll see is the game plan will be dictated by knowing this, right? Which is what they normally do. Keep everything in front of you. Don't get beat deep. You're probably going to see more of a shell up top, but here's the issue with that. I have, if you do that, if you do that, that kind of goes counterintuitive, counterintuitive the way you want to normally play Tua, which I think is to blitz him, make him get rid of the ball because he holds onto the ball a little bit. He has a little bit of a maybe slower motion mm-hmm. and, Last year they did. They were aggressive. So if you're going to be aggressive, then that's going to leave guys out there one-on-one if he's going to throw it down the field. Maybe that's what they do, though, Matt. Maybe they say, look, we'll be aggressive and make them throw the ball early because we'd rather have them get the ball early than get the ball late down the field. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it is their biggest test. But I also think that given the rest of the pieces on the defense, that they'll get some help. I don't think that Sean McDermott is going to leave those guys out to dry against those people. Like you watch the game against the Ravens and then like those Raven secondaries where they were like looking around, they're like, what the heck is going on as people are just running behind them. So I don't think that that's going to happen. Here's an interesting one. And this is more probably for you than it is for me because you were on the sideline and I was up in the press box. Lord says, was that a top five bills home game or what? And I couldn't really get a great feel of the atmosphere. It feels like the injuries kind of dampens the spirit of the game, especially after the Dane Jackson injury. You're just kind of like, oh, my gosh, like that's very terrible when that happens. But what was the atmosphere like? It was amazing. Obviously, you know, pregame was very emotional because um, we haven't even mentioned they honored the – mass shooting victims uh, of the tops mass shooting and um, Bruce Smith was on the field. He was very emotional. He did that. It was great. And then Marv Levy did where else would you rather be <laughs> right here right now, which was very cool. Jim Kelly was uh, the legend of the game. Uh, the atmosphere was great. It was so loud. You know what? I want to thank the Buffalo bills. Actually, Matt, I want to thank the Buffalo bills tonight. I will thank them for getting, 
to the blowout very quickly so that my eight-year-old son could leave the stadium and still get home on time to have a good night's sleep for school. Well, I'm glad that they were thinking of him because Max didn't get a half day like a lot of other kids did in the area at districts like Orchard Park and Frontier. So they wanted to make sure that they could get him home, get him a full night's sleep and uh, make sure that you don't have to deal with a very cranky eight-year-old tomorrow morning. A couple other questions here. Um, Have you ever heard the stadium so quiet yet so loud in one game? Loved it. What a home opener to be at. And that's exactly off of what we were just talking about, the memorial at the beginning of the game for the victims families. And then of course the injury. So it was a pregame. I was down on the field. I was down on the field till about a half an hour before the game started. And just the energy is just like, it's just wild. I love being down there. I do. You know, I mean, that's everybody always asks me about, you know, what's the favorite part of your job. It's that it's being on the sidelines of an NFL game, you know, and you've been down there and uh, you've seen it, you've been around it. You know what it's like. I need that. It's in my DNA. I need the adrenaline rush. I need to be a part of that. And um, I just, I love being down there in that atmosphere. Being up here is great because it's a great job to have, but it's, to me, it's like, it's so sterile. I would go crazy. Right. Like I, I just, it's weird. And that's the thing that a lot of people I don't think realize, even like the person who shot the game for channel seven tonight, James, it was his first time shooting a regular season game. And I asked him like, how loud was it out there? And he kind of like looked at me confused because he was like, you were in the stadium too. You didn't get a sense of that. But the press box, there's these glass windows in front. It's very, it's not soundproof, but you can just kind of hear like, little rumbles you can hear like a little bit so like when josh hits stefan Diggs for a deep touchdown you hear the fans go nuts but it's not anything even remotely close and i'll say this is still like the covid year when there was nobody in the stadium at all it was just pin drop silent in the press box there's an announcer what's his you know him what's his name brendan mcdaniels Brendan sits here. He's like, he's the, he, to, to give listeners an idea, he's the, up in the press box, he's the PA announcer for the press box where he says, like, Zach Moss for three yards so that, so that you guys know what happened on the play. Yeah, there was a hearty chuckle when he said Sam Martin coming out to punt for the Bills because we're like, wow, we haven't heard that before. Uh, so, no, but like the press box, it's a very different vibe. Obviously, like, we're working, we're writing, we're typing, we're doing whatever we've got to do, but it does take a lot of the energy out of it, which is why pregame is so important. Um, I will say, I got to give a shout out to my colleague, Olivia Proya. She commented, number one fan to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Uh, I think there's a little hint of sarcasm there, but I made her like and subscribe to the podcast the day that we announced it because she was next to me at work. So I was like, hey, I need your phone so I can like and subscribe this podcast. I love it. I think she also tweeted because it's always game day when you said we're doing a uh, pod. It's always game day, Olivia. It's always game day. Um, and then a couple other ones. How can Josh Allen be considered a serious MVP contender? This is from Philip. If he's taken out after three quarters. And honestly... If that's why I didn't choose him. Well, I mean, listen, it is why I chose Justin Herbert. I, I picked Justin Herbert to win the MVP. And my reasoning was, well, why not Josh? I said, because I don't think Josh will have to put up the numbers. Justin Herbert has to, he's going to be ahead more in games. They're going to, they're not going to have to put the foot on the gas a lot. And he might even come out. And that's exactly what's happening, Matt. Well, I think of a lot of times I'd like to like two is going to win the AFC offensive player of the week. This week. This week, as he should. Like, he was phenomenal. The numbers are outstanding. But if this was a close game, I think it's realistic that Josh could have got to six passing touchdowns or, like, five touchdowns with no turnovers. And then you make the case, like, is that a better game than what Tua did? And it's not. Like, he deserves it, whatever. But I thought about that at some point today. I'm like, well, he's going to just have to live with the four passing touchdowns and the 326 yards or whatever it was. But he did it in, like, two and a half quarters, which is just bonkers. 
anything else you got going on there? Um, we can kind of wrap up here. And then what we're going to do is we're going to have another pod later in the week. We'll give you everybody the Bills schedule so they know. Um, we're assuming you're going to listen to this on Tuesday or so. Uh, the Bills normally in a regular week would have a Wednesday practice, a Thursday practice, um, a Friday late practice. This week, because of the late game here, um, they're not going to have a big media. They're not going to have a big practice on Wednesday. The media is at. They might do something, you know, walk through whatever. We won't. We'll just have Sean McDermott we can talk to over Zoom. And then Thursday will be your normal big practice. And then Friday they'll have another, you know, light walkthrough. So it looks like they're going to kind of back off a little bit earlier in the week uh, when they get it back on the field. What is your, as we close this out, what is your biggest takeaway from this game as we shift focus now towards the Dolphins? And it's just how I opened it. I really believe, Matt, they are the best team in the NFL. And if they play a clean football game, they can beat anybody and will beat anybody. The only way they're losing games is by making the kinds of mistakes they actually made against the Rams or the Titans and compounding it maybe with a couple more or a team just takes more advantage of them because the Rams really didn't and the Titans didn't because the Bills were sloppy in a few areas tonight. But I just cannot. They are the best team in the NFL. If they stay healthy, they should be the Super Bowl favorites all year. I agree, and I'll take it one step further. I think Josh Allen might be the best player in the NFL. I love it. He's really good. He's amazing. Like when they have him, they all even on days when you've got injuries, you've got all this stuff that's going on, when you have him, you have a chance. And when he plays games like this, and he plays games like he did against the Rams, they will always have a chance. And he is just entering the prime of his career. So, of course, the expectations for this year are so big, and this is the best window that they're ever going to have to win a Super Bowl. But he's also still 26. They're going to have this for a while because he is that guy. And so is Stefan Dix. Like, that combination is dangerous. Even Tyreek Hill was tweeting about it during the game. He's like, the Allen and Diggs combo is unfair. He's playing them in six. Wait, I don't see. I can't I can't see this stuff during the game. Yeah, so so like, what happened? Tell me about this. Tyreek Hill is just like tweeting. Let me see exactly what he said. But it was just like Allen and Diggs is unfair. And and you said Odell Beckham was tweeting during the game again about the Buffalo Bills. It's amazing. Tyreek Hill. Allen and Diggs connection is crazy. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's like everybody, they're must-see TV. Like, they just, in the plays that they, the first one is going to get lost in the shuffle, but at the end of the first half, right before the Dane Jackson injury, it's fourth and one, Josh is running, there's nothing there, he has to turn around, throw it across his body, finds Diggs in the back of the end zone. Like, there are very few players in the league who can make that play. I think Patrick Mahomes is unbelievable, but... I, I, like the list is him and Josh pretty much maybe Rogers in his prime, but it's pretty much it. And like Burrow is really, really good. Justin Herbert is outstanding. He is going to be such a good player in the league. But right now, if I'm building a team, I'm building it around number 17 and the bills have that guy. He made a throw tonight where he was flat footed and threw it sidearm. And it, you would think it was like any other quarterback, like would have had to kind of put pinpoint, stand up straight in the pocket, make this pass. It was flat footed, sidearm, off balance. It was insane, and it was right down the middle of Stephon Diggs. He made the catch. We're very lucky to be seeing and watching Josh Allen here in Buffalo. Bills fans are lucky to have him for a long time, as you said, because as long as number seventeen is here, this team will have a chance to win a Super Bowl. I'm still not used to it. I'm still not used to like watching. There have been a lot of these games over the years where it's Thad Lewis, Matt Castle. Like guys who journeyman NFL quarterbacks, and uh, <laughs> it's still just it's wild. How dare you forget about Jeff Tool? Uh, All right, so for Matt, uh, I'm Sal. In fact, I won't see him for you. I won't say that. What, anything else? Any last words tonight as we head on out here at 12:43 a.m. on Tuesday to say goodnight to everybody? No, but I need um, something to listen to for the ride home to keep me up. What should, what should I listen to? What kind of music? 
Well, you don't want to get too heavy because, you know, you're, um, you know, you're driving home and you want to just kind of relax. And are you trying to chill out a little bit before you go? I want to rage. I want to rage. I might like throw some Metallica on for the drive home. I know you're a drummer. That might get me going. How about, um, how about, um, Limp Bizkit? No, no. Not going to do that? No Fred Durst? No, that was like a little before me. Like I have no interest in like anything Limp Bizkit. Metallica was even before that. Yeah, I know, but like Metallica is like they're legendary. Limp Bizkit is like very do you, do you, Okay, like do you listen to Metallica though, right? Or do you like not listen to them? Not like regularly. No, I'm just saying like I like a lot of their stuff and it would definitely keep me awake. Okay. Well, I'm a big Iron Maiden fan. Okay. Do some Iron Maiden tonight on the way home. Okay. Run to the Hills, The Trooper, do The Trooper tonight. Oh, it's great. All right. I will do something. I will report back at our next podcast when we talk about the Dolphins, about the Iron Maiden that I listen to. You need to listen to Iron Maiden. That's that's your job on the way home tonight. All right. Thanks a lot, folks, for uh, hanging out on this pod with us. I'm Sal. He's Matt. Always Game Day in Buffalo. WGR Sports Radio 550. Channel 7 WKBW TV here in Buffalo. We'll talk to you again later in the week before the Bills take on the Dolphins.